0: Fourth chapter and the seventeenth to the twenty second verse. Seventeenth to the twenty second verse of first Samuel. By the title this morning it would simply be God is Gone. God is Gone. I read that some time ago, and I don't think the seriousness of that declaration ever really reached my heart. And the things that actually happen when God is gone, when God withdraws himself, when he's not there anymore. Reading from the 17th verse, it says, And the messenger answered and said, Israel is fled from before the Philistines, and there has been also a great slaughter among the people. And thy two sons, Hopni and Phinehas, are dead, and the Ark of the Covenant, or the Ark of God, is taken and it come to pass came to pass when he made mention of the ark of God that he fell from off the seat backwards by the side of the gate, and his neck broke, and he died, for he was an old man and heavy, and he had judged Israel forty years. And his daughter in law, Phinehas's wife, was with child, near to be delivered, and when she heard the tidings that the ark of God was taken, and that her father in law and her husband was dead, She bowed to herself and travailed, for her pains came upon her. And about the time of her death, the woman that stood by her said unto her, Fear not, for thou hast borne a son. And she answered not, neither did she regard it. She named the child Ichabod, saying, The glory is departed from Israel, because the ark of God was taken, and because of her father-in-law and her husband, And she said, "...the glory is departed from Israel, for the ark of God is taken." I thought as I looked at that scripture, Israel had been an unworthy following of people. So many things had happened in their life, and God had put up with it. And God had chastised them, and God had been wrought with them, and God had allowed many of them to be destroyed. And God had put up with their unbelief and had continually warned them, but never in the history of Israel had God been gone. This was the first time since they had made the Ark of the Covenant the dwelling place of God, and God had said, this is my abode and this is where I live. They pitched a tent for him and eventually made him a house, but Israel had always had the presence of God with them. God had been pretty rough on them a lot of times through his prophets, warning them because of their unbelief, as we said, chastising them. And many had come, went, and died. But this is the first time Israel had ever known since the onset of God dwelling in the Ark of the Covenant that God had been gone from their midge. So many things happened that it's not recorded Of course, in the Bible, the Jewish historian Josephus records a lot of things. The turmoil that went on. I want you to notice the priest that had been that for 40 years had come to his end. His sons, who were supposed to be taking over, had abhorred the offerings of the Lord, committed adultery with the women that had assembled at the door of the tabernacle, and they were dead. And Eli's daughter-in-law died. And then the son, of course, that was brought forth was simply named Ichabod, which simply means in everyday language, God is gone. Now the judgment was everywhere. On the Philistines, because God was there in their uh, false idol temple, Dagon, and judgment was on the uh, Philistines because God wasn't their God. And that's recorded in the Bible, but Josephus records that everywhere. There was chaos in Israel. Individuals that never thought about God, never thought about the glory that dwelt with them, never was concerned about what was behind that second veil, now was beginning to know that the God which had protected them, the God which had led them, A God which had been a God of grace and mercy as well as a God of judgment was nowhere around, and even should they repent, there was no one there to quell the storms and stop the agony. I thought as I looked at that, I don't know how much it takes for God to withdraw himself. I don't know how long sin can dwell in our camps and in our lives. I'm not so sure when God chastises us, he's wrought with us. So many times, so many things happen, but we, all of these years, have never known anything about how it feels to know that God is not there anymore. To know that perhaps there comes a time when man can send away his days of grace. When the God has always been so merciful to him is not there to hear his plead and his cry Anymore, and Israel got a taste of that. Now, we know that eventually the Ark of the Covenant was restored to its rightful owners. We said Wednesday night when uh, David finally decided to do things the right way, we realized it was brought to its rightful place. But that didn't last very long. The glaring sin and indifference of Israel is recorded again in Ezekiel. Another sobering warning to Israel. And Israel had not learned a lesson. They had not listened. God's covenant came back and God was good to them and things began to prosper again. They immediately lapsed into their same idolatry, their same ways of living, their same old habits. And God says he sent prophets betimes or raising them up early to warn them of the sin and indifference that was in their life, and the glaring sins they were, sins in which Gentile nations did not even commit, and yet Israel was committing them. And there's a sobering warning there as we look. You'll have to search those out that where the glory of God began to leave. Scriptures tell us it was reluctant to leave. It did not want to leave. This was His people. This is the ones that he had salvaged from Egypt. This is the ones that he had made the way through the Red Sea and destroyed Pharaoh's army. These are the ones that he led and gave them water in the desert and gave them meat to eat and gave them manna from heaven. And then when they refused to go into the promised land, this is the God that let them wander in the wilderness 40 years and their shoes never disappeared from their feet and their clothing never did wear out. And this was his people. God loved them. And he had called them out, but they wasn't listening to him. They wasn't hearing him. He was trying to show them their failures, trying to make them recognize that being a peculiar people, a set-apart people that they could not be like the Gentile nations surrounding them, that they did not have this privilege if it was a privilege, that their privilege was all bound up in the Ark of the Covenant, where their God, the God of Israel, dwell. And Ezekiel points out a sobering fact as the uh, presence of God begins to move out from the midst of the cherubims, from the Ark of the Covenant where he dwelt. And he didn't leave all at once. The Scripture tells us he went from there to the threshold of the temple. And there he stayed for a while as his presence began to look over Israel. And I suppose he began to hope or pray for a change. And then it it went slowly from the threshold of the east gate uh, to the east gate. And then from the east gate, it went to the midst of the city. And then from the midst of the city to the mountain, which is is on the east side, which is called the Mount of Olives. And Josephus says there's every record in the world that the presence of God stayed there at that mountain for three years, reluctant to leave his people without a guiding force, reluctant to leave them without his presence. And finally, he lifted up and he left them. Four hundred years, God was gone. Four hundred years, he didn't speak to them. Four hundred years, calamity, captivity, children died. Individuals suffered where a city and the country was taken over and rent by war and they've never known hardly too much after that. And finally, finally God looks down on infinite wisdom and His mercy. And according to Luke, the glory of God again returns to the temple. Tells you about the time when Jesus comes in, picks up the strolls and turns to Isaiah. And begins to read all of those things, and then he says, This day is that scripture fulfilled in your house. And he walked among them, and he pled with them, and he healed their sick, and he raised their dead, and he unstopped their deaf ears, and he healed their crippled limbs. And every place he went, the Bible says he was doing good, the glory of God, and God Almighty came uh, one more time to his people. To dwell among them. And the country roundside felt the presence of something that it hadn't felt in a long time. The Bible says John the Baptist, filled with the Holy Ghost, from his mother's womb announced the coming again of the glory of God. Not like it was at one time, but glory moving inside of flesh. And good things begin to happen. Uh, the Bible records some good things. History records some good things that began to happen. Those families that was at odds with one another was coming together. Why? Because God was there with them again. The presence of God was sufficient. Sick houses was healed. (laughs) Thank God. And all of these things that had quit happening was happening again in and around that territory because God had come again. Oh, this time he was veiled in human flesh. This time, this was the grace of God. This time, this was the power of God. And he had come again to his people Israel. And the Bible tells us that he claimed his house. Came into the synagogue. Wasn't at all like it should have been. Neither is any church in the world today like it should be. But Jesus realized this was still God's house. When he began to clear it out, according to Mark, he said, My house shall be called a house of prayer. He claimed this house. This is where he one time dwelled. This was his abode. And he came back again. And he said, you ruined my house. It should be called a house of prayer, but you made it a den of thieves. And he claimed this house. And then eventually, as time went on and people failed to see him, eventually he stood one time and he said, behold, your house. Not my house anymore. It's vacated. Your house is left unto you desolate. Never again was he going to recognize the temple. Never again was he going to dwell there. And the Bible tells me that at his death, the veil of the temple was ripped from top to the bottom. And then it tells me another thing, that one more time the glory of God went to the Mount of Olives as he lifted up his hands and he blessed them. And he told him to go to Jerusalem, where they would be endued with power from on high. In other words, he's saying, I'm not going to leave you this time. You may not understand the direction I'm going. Your temple is left to you desolate. I'm not going to use that anymore. And I want you to go to the upper room. There I want you to stay until I find me a new temple, till I find me a new place where I'm going to dwell. I'm going to stay there. I'm going to dwell there. And I'm going to live there. And I'm going to walk there. I'm going to talk there. I'm going to survive there until that great day of the Lord Jesus Christ when He comes. And a voice says He'll ascend from heaven with a shout and a voice of an archangel. Thank God. And then the temple will be filled with the glory of God. And again, the glory of God In the upper room filled his temple, which is the church of the living God. I thought as I looked at that, God, I don't know. When you look out into this world, I don't know how much longer you're going to deal with a sin-torn world. How much longer are you going to deal with half-hearted lives being lived for you? How much longer, God, are you going to put up with us just despising your commandments, walking after the ways that we want to walk, and always... Whenever we find the going gets rough, always when the world has turned us down, and always when there's no place else to go, as Israel of old, they always went back to their God. They always went to their priests. They always made their sacrifices. The priest always went again back in behind that second veil, and there Almighty God dwelt there and forgive them. But there came a time when he wasn't there. There came a time when their house was empty. There came a time when he didn't hear their prayers. There came a time when mankind fell on his face and went again to seek repentance, and God was gone. I don't know about you, but I stood back and I looked at those scriptures. I said, for the ark of God is taken. Now that simply meant to them that they didn't have a God dwelling with them anymore. That simply meant that all the mercy that they'd ever received was there. And all the judgment that God had always withstayed by his mighty hand would not be withstood anymore. And you can see the calamities that happened there. And you can watch Israel as families died and children died. And you can watch the Philistine. The whole world was in chaos. Friend, why is the world in chaos? Because God was gone. God was not there anymore. That intercessor wasn't there anymore. That one with mercy and tender hand that reached out to expound, exclaim, and reach out and make everything else all that right. that had been there ever since Israel had been a babe was gone. I had to look at that and I thought, God, you're really not any respecter of person. And I've looked at some of the sins of the United States of America. I've had to view some of the sins of God's people who call themselves God's people. I've had to look at at God's chosen people, Spirit-filled individuals. I've watched all of us, and this is not meant to put a heavy on this, but I've watched all of us just simply walk contrary to God's commandments. He raises His prophets up early and sends them out and challenges our very heart and our very soul until we know exactly which way God wants us to walk. And then we turn around and walk exactly opposite. And then when the world falls down on us, our little world that we builded with these two hands of ours begin to crumble. And when we need sometimes the mercy of God, we've always turned there. And we've always found Him there. That's a security that we had. And that's a security that Israel of old thought would always be theirs. That there would never come a time when they would be without God. Now that I'd like some way I could to bring it down to you and I today. This is an old message. This is old scripture. This is in the Old Testament. But these are things that actually happen to people that God picked and called by His own hand. People that God said was His. He chose them. They did not choose Him. And yet, they were privileged under His blessings. And then came the time When God says, I can't handle it anymore. Have you ever thought about the time when God might look at us individually, our lives as we continue to rebel against Him, continue to walk careless against Him, continue to refuse Him until He finally says, I can't handle it anymore. I can't dwell there anymore. I've got to have some place of purity that I can dwell. Have you ever wondered the chaos, utter chaos that would be in our land, that would be in our families, that would be in our nation and for that matter the calamity that would be in the whole world friend listen you take this God that the United States of America holds up high as they wave their flag it's also a symbol of the God of Israel and friend you take that away from this world the only solidifying thing this world has is their God you take that away from them and we have never saw calamity like we're going to see it but one of these days, one of these days, and I've looked at it, I've looked at my life. I've looked at your life. I've looked at life of the church and church people, God's people, all over. And I wondered, God, will there ever be a time when you'll be gone from our lives? Will there ever be a time when you will withdraw yourself and you'll not be there anymore? Will there ever be a time when I'll be like Samson and I have walked my ways? fulfilled my lust done all those things that human flesh wanted to do and I've always been able as Samson said to come and shake myself and the spirit of the Lord has always been there my strength which is in God has always been there yes there's times when he carried the gates of the city and took them up there times of exceptional feats but this man even though he was walking contrary to God he was God's anointed he was the one that God had said that he was going to put in uh, Israel to destroy Philistines. And yet, he was a strong man, God's chosen man. Thousands had failed by him, took a job on of an ass, Ash and destroyed a whole army one time. And that's not all. He was symbolic of God of Israel in this man. And Samson had never recognized what a privilege it is to be called a child of God. He'd never recognized the special calling that he had. He'd never recognized how important it was for him to maintain his identity and never be exposed to these other things. In fact, Samson was a man called. Samson was a man endued with power. Samson was a special thing that God had called. And Samson had never realized the importance of that exception that God had given him. Sometimes I have to look at it, saints, this morning. Sometimes I have to wonder, have we ever recognized the important thing that God has done in our life? Have we ever understood how important we are to God? Have we ever understood how magnificent it is for God's calling to be upon us? And we walk under the influence of that calling. We are a special people, a chosen people, a holy nation. God said we was. I wonder sometimes if we've ever really recognized the specialty of that calling. Or have we, in a sense, been as Samson of old and been as Israel of old, who simply had thought, yes, I am special, yes, I've been called out, yes, I belong to God. I came to him one time, I can just hear some of us, I repented, I was baptized in his name, I received the Holy Ghost. What a special calling on my life. And we've never fully recognized the significance of that calling. We walked our way. We have done our thing. We've steeped ourselves in rebellion. And when God says, Trust me, we've distrusted Him. When God says, Walk with me, to me, we have walked away from Him. I wondered, God, when I simply look at that, how would it feel? I don't know. I don't ever want to find out. How would it feel? if we have to say that the ark of God is taken, if that which indwells us, if that dwelling place of God in our life, and we come to God one time after walking contrary and doing our own thing, and the world has us down in our face, there's no other way around and we come to God as we always do and count on the preciousness of His blood. I'm wondering what a final final thing that would be and it's going to happen one of these days when God is gone when God is not there when we shake ourselves and we don't feel him anymore when we wonder where is the God I've always turned to but my Bible tells me I think it's in Romans that there's going to come a time when God gives them up in other words as far as they're concerned God is gone God gave them up and he says God gave them over In other words, every effort has been made to reach the very heart of man. He has challenged the rebellious, he has warned the unruly, he has walked tenderly among those who are sick and afflicted, and his arms have went around us time and time again, and he's loved us, and he's picked us up and washed us off. And all the time he was doing that, he was saying, Child, don't do it again. Child, don't do it again. Child, if you love me, don't walk in this direction anymore because it's hard on you. And one of these days, he's saying, we'll go uh, walk beyond remedy. I don't know about that. I don't know about you. And I'm sure most of you, the way you're looking, are not agreeing with this. There's going to come a time when we simply have laid it all down. And God says, I don't know anything else I can do with them. I've tried their life. I've worked with them from this direction. I've reached them from different types of ministry, from Sunday school teachers to just simply testimonies. And their heart has walked in the same direction. And one of these days, we're going to find it where God is gone. Hebrews talks about the Jews that had returned and kept come from the old order to the new. And because of the failure of the old order, the old order had outlived its usefulness. In other words, when Jesus came, this whole order, which could have been good, was steeped in tradition. Mankind and all of his failures. And in a world like this is the world that Jesus stepped into. I want you to think about that for a minute, how much the grace of God is. For 400 years of people had walked without God. These individuals were used to hearing God at least once a day. Had used to hearing the booming voice of a prophet challenge them at least once a day, booming out his voice and them defying him. But they always had the privilege of knowing that there was a prophet there. And as long as there was a prophet there, that meant God's mercy was still there. There finally came a time when God closed the door. Four hundred years they didn't hear from him. And then all at once, in the midst of all this rubble and turmoil, and a city that had been taken in ravaged, and temples that had been destroyed and torn down and, uh, and alien individuals was occupying that precious holy city and only God's people should have been there in the midst of all of that. And then to top it all off, That which had always represented God was now steeped in its tradition. The synagogue or the church which always God could always go to was ripped in divisions. Pharisees, Sadducees, Herodians and all of that. And in the midst of all of this came Jesus Christ of Nazareth. God appearing again on the scene after 400 years of silence and the booming voice of John the Baptist announced and said Behold the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world and Jesus walked into the temple and said God's glory is back here one more time Hallelujah I think about the mercy of God I think about the glory of God I think about the patience of Almighty God and then where God had dwelled all those years, He didn't just discard it. He came. He came to the church, at least the place where the church should have been. He came to His people, those that supposedly had the law. And He came. And He made Himself known to them as He sat down in their midst and said, All of these things that you've been reading about, All of these things you've heard read time and time again. All of these things, he said, now have taken place. This day is that scripture fulfilled in your presence. The response is not this, Joseph, the carpenter's son. 400 years he was gone, and he came, and they didn't recognize him. But God says, I'm here to stay. Of course, the temple was vacated by God. He was gone. He was never going to return there anymore. That's the grand finale. That's what the Jews are looking for today. Build the temple again. Find the Ark of the Covenant. Supposedly, Ezekiel had hid it. Some say they know where it is, but they're afraid to touch it. But they have decided this one thing, the Jews, that they'll never build a temple unless the Ark of the Covenant can be placed in there again. Now, when they build it, of course, the glory never entered in. But we know that God is never going to use that temple again. They can build a million temples. They put a million Ark of the Covenants in there, but God's not going to use it. God has found them a new place to dwell. He's came into the heart of man. We have become the temple of the living God. He dwells here in us. And if the world is to see Him, friend, He's got to see Him through us. There's no other way God's going to present Himself to a world that's lost and dying other than through His glorious church where He proposed that day to come in the Holy Ghost and fill His temple and said, You're the temple of God. He says it time and time again. Now then, ye are the temple of the living God. They'd never find Him there. So the old ways... Have outlived their usefulness. I had to look at that in closing. We're such a habitual people and we don't turn loose of the old ways any better than they did. Amen. I'm not saying turn loose of God's ways but I'm saying in all the midst of man's tradition and ideas and opinions find God's ways. And if you find them, you're going to have to turn from tradition because God is tired of dwelling in tradition. If He ever dwelled among it, which He did uh, at times, but God is getting tired of dwelling in tradition. Tradition obscures God. You can't see God for tradition. And Pentecost is no better than anyone else. God is obscured by our traditions by our ideas and our opinions, and i always wanting to return to the old ways. And I'd like to return to the old ways, not the old ways. I'd like to return to the old paths wherein dwells righteousness. But there's a lot of old ways. that was not God's ways. And God helped me. I don't ever want to return to that. I want to see the glory of God manifest in His ways and His path, which is righteousness. And we be filled with His presence. And I look sometimes at our traditions and I've wondered if God hasn't just walked out on us. I wondered if God hasn't said, people can't see me. Everything is being displayed but me. Ideas and opinions, people clash, argue over little points that have no doctrinal value whatsoever and defuse the spirit of God. No place can man see God in the midst of disputes and arguments and all of these things. Traditions have obscured God. And I think God has walked out of our old ways, old traditions. I don't think God wants to dwell there anymore. I think He's sick and tired of rebellious. I think He's sick and tired of negativism. I think he's tired of what we think ought to happen. Friend, what about God? What does God think? What's his idea about what will save a generation that's lost? How does he propose? I don't shirk to do his duty. I don't figure it's his cause to have to pat people on the back and diaper them and listen to their innuendos and insults. Individuals that don't care if a church clears out and only half a dozen left, as long as it's cleared out by the sword of Almighty God, and as long as it penetrates the very heart. And there's coming a time, saints. I may never see it. I don't think I want to see it. I'm not praying for it. Because I don't think I've got that type of a thing inside of me. God would have to change. But I like to be liked too well. And there's coming a time when God's going to point His finger right in our rebellious face and right in our negativism attitude. And He's going to call us out. And He's going to expose us as to where we live and why we're living there. And He's going to challenge us one last time to see if our spirit will be touched by His. And then if it isn't for that individual, God will be gone. God won't be there. Amen, Brother Hoskow. Now to we who have the idea that just anything goes, that we'll fill our church house with just anything as long as it's full, and that we continue to pat on the back unfaithfulness, individuals that are not concerned about God and all of this, And God's going to come after a church like that. You're wrong. He won't do it. He can't do it. He turned his back on Israel because they wouldn't listen to Him. And they were people chosen by Him. He's probably done more for them as far as as material blessings than he's ever done in anybody else's period of, of any other tribe or people in the history of God's time. And yet, There came a time when he said, I can't live here anymore. I can't dwell here anymore. And so he leaves. But as good as God is, as kind as he is, he says, I'll try it again. First off, before I can do anything else, I've got to do away with the old temple worship steeped with traditions. I can't come back and do anything with the synagogue worship. They won't listen. Leaders don't even know me. Don't even recognize me. They have their own laws that they follow after the traditions of man. Read the Talmud and all of these things and you'll see how far man had come from the actual laws of God. And God says, I can't dwell there anymore. So He says, I'm going to find me a new place to dwell. I'm going to dwell in the heart of people. That's where my temple is going to be. And then I wonder what it takes for God to take his flight, for him to just leave. You see, we've never known. We've never experienced. We can't imagine any more than Israel of old what it would be like without a God to hear us when we call. We've never known this. But yet, if my Bible reads right, there'll come a time when some of us will see that day when we'll have to say with a final voice, God is God. And then when he comes, the Bible tells us that there will be a separation. Everybody's remained the same since there comes a separation. And God says, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. A friend, he was talking to churchgoers, to so-called Christian people who had made the statement, have we not cast out devils in your name? Have we not done all these things in your name? He was talking to these individuals who maybe at one time had done some good and then turned around and walked after their own ways, always, God finally says, I can't claim you anymore. I don't know you. To them, God is God. Tell us stand? Where you're at this morning, Just kind of reach out and take somebody by the hand. And as we dismiss, let there just be a prayer in our heart. God, don't let this happen to my friend. Don't let this happen to my brother or my sister. Don't let this happen to anyone in this congregation that will ever face a day when God is not there to meet our needs. Father, right now, in the name of Jesus, by Your presence and Your power, God, in the solemnness of this hour, may we never hear that voice come from You. I know You not. Father, that our hearts might be strengthened, that the joy of salvation might be ours, and that Your voice might be heard. Father, Keep us. Keep us, master. In the hollow of thy hand. Walk out of here with that discouraged saint. Father, and encourage them. That one that's sickened body or perhaps not knowing which way to walk, where it just seems as if you're not there anymore. God be real right now. Be real right now to them. Let us know, God again, how it feels just to be touched by divinity. And might we realize what a special privilege it is this morning just to be touched by the mighty hand of Almighty God. And God, don't ever let us take it for granted anymore. And let us hear your voice and walk in your paths. And we'll give you the praise in Jesus' name. Amen.